And good evening. New protests in Myanmar and Haiti, the smartest guys in the room and the Texas blackout and Hunter Biden's laptop and United States meddling in Ukraine. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Sunday, February 21st, 2021. On Saturday, two more casualties were reported in Myanmar after police opened fire on protesters in Mandalay, its second biggest city. Myanmar has uh, been rocked by anti-coup protests since the military took over in uh, took over power on February 1st and arrested popular leader Aung San Suu Kyi. On Sunday, Yangon demonstrators painted a huge We Need Justice sign close to the rally site. Aung San Suu Kyi was arrested alongside other elected officials from the National League for Democracy Party after the coup. The military claims they're responding to alleged fraud during elections in November after the NLD won a majority of the seats in parliament. And police and protesters clash in Haiti's capital, Port-au-Prince. Police used tear gas and sporadic shots were heard. The fighting was sparked by a power grab by a U.S.-backed president. President Jovenel Moises claims he belongs in office for another year and is cracked down by arresting members of the opposition parties. His ally is United States President Joe Biden, who supports extending the Haitian president's term. Daoud Andre is a activist and radio host. His program, Irite Papu Dessaline, meaning the children of Jean-Jacques Dessaline, is named after the leader of Haiti's 18th century revolution. The United States and their allies, Canada, France, and right now some other countries, they propped up the Duvalier regime in Haiti. Both the father, François Duvalier, and the son, Jacques-Claude Duvalier, from 1957 to 1986. And right now, since the year of the earthquake, a supposed rigged election happened, and the Clintons, and we have to add Barack Obama and Joe Biden, they had another sham election in 2015, 2016, in which the individual who's currently there, Jovenel Moise, was installed as the president. We consider this, and many other Haitians, sham elections, and that Jovenel Moise has never had legitimacy, because even the Electoral Council at the time, they claimed that he only had 500, about 500,000 votes, and this is in a country of 12 million people. This is uh, set up by the United States. That second election happened under Barack Obama and Joe Biden. He's been a very good puppet to Donald Trump in the time that Trump was president of the United States. They had very good relations to the point of him betraying Venezuela. This is one of the very few countries who recognize Juan Guaido as the president of Venezuela. And of course, Joe Biden is still supporting Jovenel Moïse. And what's been happening in the streets of Haiti in the last few days? Huge demonstrations all over the country demanding that Jovenel Moïse step down. And since uh, about two weeks ago, uh, because by the constitution that is supposed to be in vigor over there, 
he was supposed to leave on February 7th, but Jovenel Moise has not held any elections. The day he was supposed to leave, he arrested a Supreme Court judge, and that week he retired two other Supreme Court judges. He's announced that he will be holding a referendum for a new constitution in April. This is something that he is not allowed to be done. But for the first time since the constitution of 1987, it would allow that the president can run for re-election, consecutive term, which was banned because of what happened with the dictatorship of the Duvaliers, because he is a puppet to the United States, to what's called the core group, that includes Canada, France, Brazil, Germany as well. This is allowed to happen. For the past few years, there's been massacres in popular neighborhoods that have been the core of anti-government demonstrations. Kidnapping is rampant. This past week, a five-year-old girl, a child playing in the yard of the family, was kidnapped, demanded $40,000 U.S. for the return of this child. And the parents are poor people, not even making $100. The child was killed. They called the mother and said, go pick up you know your child then the child was found naked with a rope around his neck not her neck so there's been a lot of rapes pillage and plunder of the country's treasury besides the inter what's called the international community the u.s u.n oas supporting jovenel moise his police force is a death squad police force trained by the Canadians, armed and clothed by the United States. Up to 71 people, they said, was killed in that massacre. And the individual, the people who are named responsible for this massacre, they are heading gangs beholden to the government. And they have held, the gangs have held protests praising the government, saying whoever stands against the Jovenel Moïse government they will kill them. No one with any credibility is going to participate in this constitutional referendum or these elections, but the Haitian people, as I said, inside and outside of the country, they are protesting. The students, professional class, and the workers, everybody is in the streets, tires are burning, people are demanding that Jovenel Moïse leave the country. Daoud Andre is an activist and radio host. His program, Eritea Papua Dessaline, meaning the children of Jean-Jacques Dessaline, is named after the leader of Haiti's 18th century revolution. And on Saturday, New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was on the ground in Texas, helping local organizations, providing food assistance, homelessness relief, and elder care. Ocasio-Cortez spearheaded a fundraising effort that raised $4 million to help. And disaster strikes. This is not just an issue for Texans. This is an issue for our entire country. And our whole country needs to come and rally together behind the needs of Texans all across the state. Disasters don't strike everyone equally. When you already have so many families in the state and across the country that are on the brink, that can't even afford an emergency to begin with, when you have a disaster like this, it can just set people back for years, not just for days. 
And so we have tragedy in this state. We need to rally around the state. We need to rally federal support for Texans and the state of Texas. And we need to make sure that we make short and long-term policy decisions so that this kind of devastation, preventable devastation, never happens again. We hit $3.2 million in assistance for Texans across the state just last night. And I think this shows that New York stands with you, but the whole country stands with you. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was joined by Democratic Texas Representative Sylvia Garcia and Sheila Jackson Lee, all of whom helped fill boxes at the Houston Food Bank. The fundraising idea was spurred on by Ocasio-Cortez, according to Representative Garcia. Winter storms across Texas left dozens dead, knocked out power for millions for days, and many still don't have safe drinking water. Wind turbines in the state's northern panhandle locked up. Natural gas plants shut down when frozen pipes and components shut off fuel flow. The South Texas nuclear reactor went dark after a five-foot section of uninsulated pipe seized up. Power outages quickly spread nationwide, leaving millions shivering in their homes for days with deadly consequences. Texas is the only state in the continental United States with an independent and isolated grid that allows the state to avoid federal regulation, but also severely limits its ability to draw emergency power from other grids. Monday was one of the state's coldest days in more than a century, but the unprecedented power crisis was predictable, says investigative journalist Greg Pallast. He lays the blame on the energy giant Enron. Okay, the the answer is uh, the family Bush and Ken Lay of Enron, and the power greedsters, including um, Houston Power and Light, which has gone under many names like Reliant. Uh, Texas is the last holdout for deregulation of electricity. And deregulation is really a fancy word for decriminalizing the behavior of price gouging. Uh, there is no such thing as a free market. Just to understand that I'm, as an, I'm, uh, my background as academic is uh, is as a specialist in power industry economics. I studied under, of all things, Milton Friedman, um, who came up with this idea of the free market and electricity. One problem, you got one wire coming into your house. There's no such thing. It's a monopoly. And so when we had in California and elsewhere the massive blackouts due to uh, Bush deregulating the power markets, George Bush deregulating, uh, well, two Bushes, first in 1992 on his way out, uh, Bush Sr., Herbert Walker Bush, began to deregulate the markets. Then his son came in um, eight years later to um, uh, fully deregulate the markets for a short time, uh, where he let Ken Lay of of Texas, uh, the CEO of Enron, who was later uh, criminally convicted of manipulating the markets, write the energy policy with Dick Cheney, which said that basically no more regulation of prices and uh, of the electricity market. What that means is, understand how we used to, and somewhat to today have returned to a bit, is that we have a cost-plus system for power companies, like in New York, uh, Con Ed, and California, PG&E, Texas, Houston Power and Light, but it doesn't apply there in Texas anymore, which is that you um, set prices based on your actual costs and um, uh, what's called a fair and reasonable profit, usually a few percentage points. And that kept American electricity prices really low, the lowest in the world, really, for a century. 
and made us the most reliable system. Now, how does price regulation lead to reliability? The answer is because, again, I told you, you get your costs back. So the companies, to they could get more revenue simply by investing more, making the systems failure-proof, weather-proof. And uh, so uh, they would spend money on hardening these, uh, these systems. You know, you don't have... You had, yeah, you had snow in Texas. Everything went crazy. But you know what? Believe it or not, there's snow in Minnesota. And uh, there's snow in Iowa. And there's snow in uh, Oregon. So what happens is these windmills and these power plants, gas, coal, electric, etc., are hardened against uh, weather. And the utilities have been forced to spend the money. But when you deregulate your system, you're saying not only can you charge what you want, but you make more money. Yes, the companies can supposedly compete, but one way they compete is by spending less and less on protecting their systems. And look at you're getting people who are getting bills for just for their home in Texas of ten and fifteen thousand dollars for this month. Again, because it's deregulated. What's the next step? Maybe this is time to say to Texas that, that you've got a choice. You want to freeze in the dark. Keep maintain the people like Rick Perry and Governor Abbott who have kept you freezing so that their buck buddies could make a fortune. And if you want more information, I'm going to stay on this story at gregpalace.com. There's plenty of stories about deregulation of the power industry there. We had, as Franklin Roosevelt, and I quote Roosevelt, he's, one of the things he said is that we have a whole group of academics, this is Franklin Roosevelt, who've been poisoning the minds of generations with free market garbage. And this is Roosevelt, who predicted this regarding, by the way, the power industry. He's made this speech in Portland, Oregon, which, by the way, this past week was also in the dark. Why? Portland, Oregon had an electric company that was run by Enron, owned by Enron. When Enron went bankrupt and Ken Lay was arrested, the city of Portland wanted to buy their system. But Enron said, we won't sell to the city or a nonprofit organization will only sell to a privateer. They sold to Warren Buffett. The game continued in Oregon, not protecting the system. So even in cool uh, Birkenstock wearing places like Oregon, they can still be victimized by the so-called free market, which is a very expensive market. Investigative journalist Greg Palast. The Enron Corporation, based in Houston, was an energy giant that declared bankruptcy in 2001 after it was discovered the company had falsified accounting records. And Ukraine's top prosecutor said on Friday investigations into Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holdings Limited have been closed with no plans to reopen them, a matter closely tied to a scandal at the heart of Donald Trump's first impeachment. President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, served on Burisma's board from 2014 to 2019. As vice president under President Barack Obama, Biden oversaw U.S. policy towards Ukraine and sought the removal of the country's top prosecutor at the time, who the United States and Western European countries had viewed as corrupt or ineffective. In December 2019, Trump was impeached on charges of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress over a July 2019 phone call to Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, for an investigation into Biden and his son, Hunter. But managing editor of Covert Action News magazine, Jeremy Kuzmarov, author of the article Escalating the New Cold War with Russia via Ukraine, says the media overlooked the real story behind Hunter Biden and Burisma, especially the laptop found at a repair shop with allegedly damning evidence on the president's son. The company itself was very corrupt, was uh, involved with tax evasion and owed the uh, Ukrainian 
$40 million. Biden basically blackmailed the uh, Ukrainian government into firing the prosecutor general who was going after the company. They imposed a new prosecutor general who cut a deal for $7 million and they owed $42 million. The father was protecting the company and the son was there for strategic reasons. This is a web of corruption and black operations that should be exposed to the public. Is Ukraine a banana republic? Well, yes. If the president could just acquiesce to the interests of a foreign leader and his son, I think that's the case. Ukraine under Petro Poroshenko you know, was supposed to experience a you know, democratic revolution, so-called Maidan Square Revolution. But the leader, Petro Poroshenko, came to power after 2014, after that revolution, which Biden had praised and supported, was considered the most corrupt regime in Europe. And we see in a case like this, they fought a dirty war in the eastern provinces against pro-Russian forces. And this is all part of the dangerous escalation of the new Cold War. And Biden has taken very hawkish positions on Russia. And the Obama administration, he was pushing very early on for lethal military aid that only Trump signed off on. But we have to be worried with him as our president. I mean, Trump was, was just horrible, so we have to get rid of him. But Biden's dangerous also in his own way. The public has to be alert to this danger of an escalating Cold War and more corrupt dealings in that part of the world that is not, I don't think, in the interest of the American public and, and could result ultimately in nuclear war. Tensions with Russia escalate. What about the uh, laptop? Even outlets like MSNBC and Democracy Now! haven't been investigating this as they should be. Some of it has to do with partisan politics, and they were so fixated on removing Trump and their concern, which is legitimate about the growing extremism of the GOP. So there is a pattern of kind of protecting you know, centrist Democratic uh, leaders and presenting them very favorably in the media. And it kind of skews the views of the average American, including liberals, who think all evil rests with Trump and the GOP and that the system be restored and all is well. Now we have a Democrat in office. But corruption in American politics it goes beyond party politics and is quite systemic. And we see that in scrutinizing the Bidens. What was on that laptop? The laptop had these emails that were quite incriminating about Hunter Biden. And it showed also that Joe Biden had lied because Joe Biden said he didn't know anything about his son's, you know, he stayed out of his son's professional life and he didn't know anything about what he was doing with Burisma and had nothing to do with it. But the laptop had emails which showed that he had met, Joe had met with people top executives with Burisma and had long meetings with them. He, he was involved. He, he knew about it and he was meeting with Burisma officials so or company employees. So that was one lie that was exposed through those emails. And um, there was other, I think, information about Hunter and his role with Burisma. And then there was some stuff like sex tape and stuff like that uh, that does you know, cast questions on, on, on Hunter's character. But as you say, I mean, every human has good and bad side, but he clearly has a, a corrupt side to him. I mean, he's capable of doing good things, but also some really shady things. Right. And well, banking on his family name to, to participate. American corruption, usually the, uh, the adjective is Russian corruption, Putin corruption. They took it, look at the Navalny thing over and over again. So you're saying that uh, corruption just isn't in one province alone. That's part of the narrative of the new Cold War, that Russia's corrupt 
Russia's an authoritarian, corrupt state, and they want to give credence to all Navalny's allegations. And you know, the media is filled with articles about Putin's alleged corruption. Sure, there's corruption in Russia, but uh, we also should look at ourselves and how the United States government can feel corruption in that region of the world, including other regions of the world. And the United States government may be as corrupt or more corrupt than Russia. And that's Jeremy Kuzmanov. He's the managing editor of Covert Action Magazine, author of the article Escalating the New Cold War with Russia via Ukraine. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. The U.S. stood Sunday at the brink of a once unthinkable tally. 500,000 people lost to the coronavirus. A year into the pandemic, the total, the running total of lives lost was about 498,000, roughly the population of Kansas City, Missouri, and just shy the size of Atlanta. The figure compiled by John Hopkins University surpasses the number of people who died in 2019 of chronic lower respiratory disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, flu, and pneumonia combined. Anthony Fauci on CNN's State of the Union says it's nothing like we've ever seen or been through before in the last 102 years since the 1918 influenza pandemic. The U.S. virus death toll reached 400,000 on January 19th in the waning hours in office of President Donald Trump, whose handling of the crisis was judged by public health experts to be a singular failure. The first known deaths from the virus in the U.S. happened in early February 2020, both of them in Santa Clara County, California. It took four months to reach the first 100,000 dead. The toll hit 200,000 deaths in September, 300,000 in December. Then it took just over a month to go from 300 to 400,000 and about two months to climb 400 to the brink of 500,000. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked Sunday whether President Biden still considers New York Governor Andrew Cuomo the gold standard for leadership during the COVID pandemic. The comments by Biden were made last April. Psaki says there will be a process, which he said will include investigations, adding that we'll leave that to others to determine the appropriate law enforcement authorities to determine how that path is going to move as we look forward. She continued, He's going to continue to work with Governor Cuomo, just like he'll continue to work with governors across the country. Cuomo has faced calls to resign since the Associated Press reported his administration had significantly underreported the number of recovering COVID-19 patients who were sent back to nursing homes to recover under a controversial order he implemented last March. Cuomo has been fighting back against his critics despite calls from Mayor Bill de Blasio for an investigation into the nursing home scandal and calls to resign from progressive legislators such as State Senator Julia Salazar. Cuomo struck out yesterday at a news conference. We provided the Department of Justice with truthful information in our response. It is a lie to say any numbers were inaccurate. That is a lie. Total deaths were always reported to nursing homes and hospitals. New York State legislators requested information. Yes, they did. We said we would pause the state legislature's request because we gave DOJ precedence. I don't really care what people say about me. I get politics. I agreed to uh, this nasty business because I believe I can do good things. But I'm not going to let you do nasty and cruel things to New Yorkers. 
that goes against my oath, and that goes against who I am. Uh, I'm not going to let you lie to them. Uh, it's cruel to lie to a person who's looking for closure on, a, on the death of a loved one. And that's some of the news for Sunday, February 21st, 2021. The news was produced by Linda Perry, our engineer's Max Schmid. From New York City, for the WBAI News, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>